had one for a while before that called Forged in Blue that I started kind of on my own. Had that up and running for a little bit, decided to kind of branch off, go somewhere different. Uh, started this one up. Got an amazing co-host, Zach Boyd. Uh, shout out to him. We talked our, our episode released today. Uh, we, we tend to record two episodes a week. And, man, it's just uh, – it's just fan centric, man. It is in depth. I always tell people it's in depth analysis with kind of a fan centric twist. You know, um, I don't live in Indiana. I've been a Colts fan since I was five years old. Um, same with Zach. He's been a Colts fan since he was really young. Uh, and so we kind of give that, that Colts fan perspective, but we try to do it with a, with a little bit more nuance and obviously a little bit more behind it. Uh, been really, really lucky since we started it to have amazing guests come on. We've had Zach Kiefer and Kevin Bowen, uh, Matt Taylor. You know, um, we've had great interaction. We've, we've been really, really lucky. Laura Steele's another one. We, 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 you know, for not being based in Indiana. I'm based in Tennessee. Uh, he's based in Indiana. So I mean, it's uh, it's just a fun time, man. It's just cut back, have fun, and I mean, you're, you're the same as we are. You know, I'm just a Colts fan who's lucky enough to talk about it and people are okay with listening to me. Yeah, it is quite nice. Um, so you're down in Tennessee. You're down in the Badlands in enemy territory. Very um, much, man. Very, very much. My family is Titans fans. Um, and the company I work for, which is a family-owned company, is actually we Titans season ticket holders. So <laughs> I, go, I go to the Titans-Colts game every year with all my Colts stuff on. Uh, and because – They've been pretty dominant with that game. I've been really lucky to to see them pull out a lot of really cool wins over the year. I was at uh, I tell everyone I talk about it on my on my podcast a lot. I was at the one two years ago. Uh, it was about 107 degrees at the game. It was ridiculously hot, and that was the one where Jacoby let them let us back. Uh, I've been at once with Peyton. I was at Peyton Manning's first game when he came back to Tennessee, and I was lucky enough to be at the last regular season Andrew Luck game, the winner go home game in week 17 against the Titans. So I was there when they when he won that game. Um got to see his last regular season game. That's fantastic. I mean what we would give to have Andrew Luck back. Oh, um, right arm. <laughs> we all give a bit of our buddy just to have Andrew Luck back and we can make yeah. a Frankenstein's monster. But um brings us on nicely to expectations for the season and the big move of the season was Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, there was obviously talks beforehand, but did you really see this coming um, considering how Chris Ballard believes in his own players? So it, it's interesting. Um, so I started my, my podcast back in December and the very beginning of it and kind of trucked through the last four weeks of the season and obviously into the off season. And that was a huge topic of conversation in the beginning. I've always done a lot with fan questions uh, with, with social media involvement. And that was a really big topic uh, because once he got benched, there was a lot of questions of he's going to want out. And I was kind of, you know, I, I may have been a little different. I was a big proponent of it. Um, I'm really excited, as you can tell, because I've got, you know, his, his that, that's for those who don't know, that's Carson Wentz's foundation, AO1. Um, and, I mean, it was I was going to be surprised if he gave up a lot. But he didn't really. I mean, it's a great price. 
You know, this year's three, next year's probably, I mean, I think as Colts fans, we all hope it's a one because Mm -hmm. that means Carson's playing really well. But I I mean, I've got good expectations. We did a preview show for our one this time. And I mean, I, I like it. He has a really, really good, you know, you hear him talk. He has a really strong bond with Frank Wright on the field, but also an extremely tight bond with him off the field. So, I mean, I, I was surprised a little, but at the same time, I was way more shocked when Philip Rivers retired. Yeah. I, did, I, I didn't see that coming. I was working from home that day, and it popped up on my TV, and I was I was kind of stunned. I thought he was coming back one more year. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, considering getting to know Philip Rivers over the years of you know playing against us and knocking us out of playoffs at enough time, the <laughs> him playing for us, the, the competitiveness in him, I just really didn't see him retiring. Um, it was quite a big shock. Um, obviously, the second big retirement that shocked us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. about but, um, no, then we t- then we come into the draft. Um, a lot of people saying the the Colts just can't work the magic this year because there's too many gaps to fill in this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Ballard somehow manages to work his magic again. Uh, what was your favorite pick of the draft? So, and we've talked about this before too. So, I mean, I love Quiddy Pay. I do love it. He was my number one edge rusher into the into the class. I love that pick. I love kind of the the cloth he's cut from and his character. Um, but if you're asking me, I, I'm really excited about um, Kylan Grayson. I think that's a really solid pick. I think he's going to actually be one of the few players from this draft that is going to make some noise this year. Um, and then I'm, 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 I'm on an island sometimes. I really like Dio. I really like Dio Adangbo. Um, but I don't know how much he sees the field. You know, he has the same energy. He has the same injury that Eric Fisher has. You know, and a, a fun stat we threw out there was they actually had – they actually both tore their Achilles on the same day. Um, so their timetable is exactly the same. So it's really interesting with that. But, I mean, my favorite, kind of just like off the wall, I love Michael Strong. I, he's the, you know, he's that late-round pick. He's probably going to be practice squad. You can't teach someone to be 6'5 and run a 4'4". Um, he was dominant in Division II. He's done interviews and said that he was offered the chance to transfer out of Charleston and go to a Division I school. He chose not to. He's He's – I related him a little to um, to uh, Deion Kane. I think it's someone that they like, you know, that they want to develop. But he's he's not. I mean, you watch it with the next pick, and Ballard is even telling him, "You have a lot of work to do." So I mean, I I, I say all that. I, I like name all the picks, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, probably the one I'm most excited about this year is Kylan Grayson, just because of the way the tight end operates in the in the offense the way Reich likes to use him. And then you watch his games at SMU and he's just, he's just oozes talent. So, I mean, I'm excited. That's probably my favorite pick. Yeah. I mean, Quitty Pay would be easy to say he's your favorite pick, obviously, uh, for a reason. But I think the big shock there was that he felt was at 21. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to be there at 21. And then just things started falling into place and, I couldn't believe, you know, all of a sudden the draft was worth staying up for that night. 
because it's on about yeah. four in the morning here. Um, I was going to say yours is early for you to pull that man. I thought I had a tough time. We did a the no horsing around is part of the lounge room network here, and we did a live stream four hour four and a half hour live stream. And I thought I had it tough, man. I couldn't have done a live stream and done it at four a.m. Uh, um, but yeah, it's interesting. You say the thing I noticed about uh, Grant and uh, Kyle is that when you watch his tape. He's just so explosive to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's rare to see from a tight end. You know, you can see a tight end blitz off a linebacker any day of the week. It, you know, that's their speciality. Um, yeah. But this guy is just blowing past people like the nothing. And for me, that's what really makes him an exciting pick to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about re-signing players and... Um, the big re-signings, obviously, Xavier Royds and T.Y. Hullen. Mm-hmm. Did you expect Chris to get both of these, though? So it's, it's odd. So I, I know you, you you had a former guest come on, Rashad McGinnis, yes. um, from the Blue Stable. That is my former co-host <laughs> uh, and one of my one of my good friends. Yeah. And we were working together at that time during the whole hashtag bring T.Y. home um, and, and all of that. And so – we had a little bit of information from some sources that okay. are connected with the Blue Stable that they were working on it. Um, I felt more confident with T.Y. than I did with Xavier Rhodes. I thought Xavier Rhodes would get bigger money. Um, it's just Ballard, man. I, 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 I'm shocked sometimes that he's able to do the things that he does and the ability to bring them both back. Um I mean, it stinks. We talk about it now, me and Zach, too, that there are a lot of one-year deals, so you're going to kind of feel like you're in the same boat again next year mm-hmm. on do you bring T.Y. back, you know, do you bring Xavier Rhodes back, um, where we kind of sit with it. I mean, the thing that I admire the most with Ballard is that he he gives them a number. You know, hey, I'm going to pay you $9 million. Go see if you can get more. And if they get more, he's okay. He's happy for them. And if they don't, then they come back. And that kind of – that seemed like that was Xavier Rhodes. Um, T.Y., from the from the stuff that I've read and seen, it seems like that pushed to the brink and Ursay had to get involved a little bit and say, hey, well, you know, just make it happen. You know, throwing – as he called it – what did he call it? Uh, sweetener. Throwing a little extra sweetener so he'll come back. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it'd be fitting, uh, especially for T.Y., if he does break 10,000 yards, that would mean the Colts would be the first – NFL franchise top three different players. And um, I love that stat, man. I, I've, I've said that so many that. times. I love that stat. That is fantastic, you know. Um, so I think it was due diligence that we brung T.Y. back. Was you rooting – I mean, you know, I know you said you had a bit of inside info, but was you rooting for one more than the other? Man, so – man, oh, it's tough. I was probably – if I had to pick between the two, I would have probably sided with Xavier Rhodes mm-hmm. just because of the need at corner. I mean, we, we talked about it. Like I said, we talk about it all the time. The the depth – I mean, injuries happen. But the depth at wide receiver is, is pretty legit this year. I mean, we kind of ran across – we had a question about DeMichael Harris. And I love DeMichael Harris. I get I occasionally get some interaction with him on Twitter, and he's extremely nice. Um but we started looking over, and you know, you you got Hilton and Pittman and Pascal and Paris Campbell, and then you've got Patman from last year who they like, and then you've got Strawn who I like. They're really deep 
at wide receiver. And so I, the only reason I, I, I would have thought initially was kind of maybe a safety blanket, someone for Carson to feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, T.Y. knowing, hey, I, 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 I've got a quarterback now. Like I got a quarterback who's gonna who can drop back and he can chuck the ball to me as deep as I. He's not gonna overthrow. I can't. He can't overthrow me. Is probably what he thinks. <laughs> so, but to answer your question, I would have. I if if you pinned me down at the time, I would have said Xavier because it was just it seemed like such a bigger position of need. Yeah, I mean, Ty, you know. He didn't have a T.Y. Hilton year last year. Uh, that's mainly because Philip Rivers likes to spread the love. Uh, mm-hmm. even, you know, he, he likes playing different, to throwing to different receivers. That's just his style. The last time we saw T.Y. Hilton with a better than average quarterback, uh, and that's being very harsh in Andrew Luck is, we saw a magical connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like back to the Manning days. Um, do you think we can reignite that spark? out of T.Y. Hilton and get that MVP level character that he can be? I do, man. Um, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I said that, you know, you know, obviously as, as podcasters, we make bold, hot take predictions all the time. But, I mean, I said I, I think T.Y. Hilton's going to have over 1,000 yards and maybe 10 touchdowns. I think he's, he's going to have a big year because I think we're going to, like you said, we're going to go back to him – getting these chunk plays. So like you go two years ago, Jacoby, and I love Jacoby Brissett, um, but he, he wasn't accurate. You know, he couldn't get the ball into those spaces. He had an amazing arm. He had the, but not the accuracy. Then you kind of go last year, you have the extreme accuracy, but not the strength to get it down the field. You have that with Carson. Now Carson's got one of the biggest arms in the NFL. I mean, I, I just, I, I'm really excited to see it. I think it's a comeback season. That's, I don't know if he comes back next year, especially if he has a big year because he's going to want maybe one final payday, and I don't know if Ballard's going to do that. But, I mean, no, I, I think I think there's a very, very strong possibility he has a very, very good year. And quarterback room got very interesting, especially when we picked up Sam Erlinger. Mm-hmm. We went into last season with three quarterbacks. Are we going to go into the, this season with three quarterbacks? Ooh, so so my boy Zach, my, my co-host that I was talking about, he his hot take is that Ellinger is going to take the two spot, um, that he's going to walk out of camp with that. And the more I've thought about it, what's funny is I, that was probably one of the picks I disliked the most at, at the time. I think I even sent out a tweet that said it was my least favorite pick of the entire draft. But I've done a little more, and, and you know, I've come around. Zach's talked to me. I mean, I talk to him almost every day, and he's talked to me a lot. And I've come around because his style's similar to Carson Wentz, as opposed to Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. I think we carry three. Um, I think we. I think. Well, no, I think we carry two. I think one. They're gonna. They're gonna put one on the practice squad. The interesting take that we that he had that we've had is that if Eason had legitimately locked up the two. You wouldn't draft a quarterback. You probably bring in like Zach calls them soft body quarterbacks, like a Blake Bortles, you know, um, Tyler. I say Tyler Henneke, but he got paid. But like a quarterback like that is who you bring in, not someone to push, which leads us to kind of think that Eason's not maybe quite ready 
to take yeah. the two. Now it's interesting because as of right now with them in minicamp, he's taking all the he's taking all uh, first team snaps because the report that I read today I think is that there's Carson sick. That I think they're, they're thinking it's the flu possibly. It's not COVID, but so he's not he's not playing. So Easton's taking all first team reps. I, I don't know. I could see Ellinger. I mean, the way Ballard talked about him after the draft was very, very different than how he talked about Eason last year. Eason was kind of like, don't crown him. He's got to make the squad. He's got to beat out Chad Kelly. You know, he's got he's got to beat out Swag Kelly, apparently. And then you get Ellinger this year, and he's like, hey, I, I, the quote I love that I say all the time is, he literally has said, I don't know what it is, but Ellinger has it. So they really like Ellinger. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he takes the two. I'm not real comfortable with the quarterback room behind Carson anyway because there's no reps in the NFL. So uh, I pray that he stays healthy. I, I'm probably one of the few that think he does. I think he plays the majority of the games. I think it's a big misnomer that he's injury prone. He doesn't get injured often. He gets injured at really poor times. Yeah. I mean, you're bound to pick up one or two injuries when you're getting sucked 55 oh, times in a season. In 12 games, man. It wasn't even a full season. 12 games. I think the stat I read, was I, I want to say he was like 10 sacks, at least 10 sacks above the second place. And the second place played 16. So, I mean, he got, he got obliterated last year. He was yeah. beaten and broken. No quarterback's going to play good in that situation. No. No. Um, so what Chris Ballard did is went out and picked up his six Infinity Stone to build the Great Wall of Indy, and that is Eric Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, we touched on it. He, he's probably not going to play weeks one through three, maybe one through five. But it's still a great pickup, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. I think he is – He's one, he's comfortable. Ballard's comfortable with him. Ballard was there when they drafted him in Kansas City. He's there's a comfort level. Two is he's he's a former number one overall pick, and here's a reason why, and he's played that way. Um, I've said numerous times that I don't think he would be out of Kansas City had he not torn his Achilles. I think he'd still be there. Um, because he didn't play his way out. We saw what Kansas City looked like without him in the Super Bowl. Um I mean, they looked hor- horrible. And that goes to your point. No quarterback can throw touchdowns from their back, you know. Um, but I love the pickup. I've heard – so the interesting thing for me is that I've heard everything from he got he got this new procedure done. This is the newest thing I've heard. There's some new procedure with the Achilles that puts him back active by the end of July. Um now, that doesn't mean, you know, Zach has said this before. That doesn't mean he's playing. We like to tell our listeners just because he's back, he could be back and not be practicing for four weeks. And then finally, practice. he could be ready to go and actually playing by week 10. My number, I'm, I'm more close to you. I think I'd be shocked if we had him the first four games. Um, I don't think they rush him. And then you've got the report now, too, that says, They've had conversations. Hey, if you get back fully healthy, you look good. We'll we'll look we'll look to hook you up with a long term deal. So they're not going to rush him. But when he comes back, man, whew, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we were we were talking. I mean that that old line is just nasty, you know. And and you know, you put him there. You've got Glowed. You've got. I mean, obviously, you've got Quentin Nelson, who is the baddest man on the planet. You know. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I joke with people. I've got my King of the Hog shirt on right now with him. 
I mean, it's just, it's a nasty line. And Carson's never played behind a line that looks like this. Yep. Um, has any quarterback played behind the line that looks just like this? You, you know, like Ryan Kelly center, um, mm-hmm. Mark Braden, Quentin. I think it was, there was no, um, nobody picked Lorden pick. 37 overall, which was Braden Smith in the second round. Who is probably the best right tackle in the entire NFL. Yeah. This is it's just a crazy exciting time to be a Colts fan. We you know <laughs> we've been through so much crap recently with Andre Wook and you know um I don't even want to go through the list of quarterbacks that I've watched play but in the Colts shirt. Uh, oh no, <laughs> no, I mean it's yeah. You know, we we talked about it last night. You know, I, I I I get a big beef when it comes to people talking bad about Frank Reich. You know, mm-hmm. um, I got an issue with that. You know, I, I quote his stat all the time. He's twenty eight and twenty as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He's been to the playoffs two of his three years, and he's had three different starting quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, uh, and even with the one with Jacoby, who, like I said, I love Jacoby. I think he is probably. He has elite leadership skills. Mm-hmm. But even then, they were fighting for a playoff spot right to the last week. You know, they were they were right there for it. But, man, I mean, yeah, that O-line, as a Colts fan, you sit there and you go, man, if only, if only we had started this earlier, what would it look like? You know, <sighs> it's PTSD, man. <laughs> That's why you go from having – an RHM GM in Ryan Grigson to actually mm-hmm. having a talented GM in Chris Bauer, just the transformation in culture, in ethics, in just the way the team plays. And it's not about building superstars. It's not about getting the shiniest toy out of the garage and mm-hmm. the ground. It's about building a team and everyone isn't made to feel part of this team. And this is why I think the Colts are so successful is special teams. Now, mm. you come and play for the Colts, you have to go through special teams. And if you don't show the right attitude, you are not getting into your side of the ball. It is as mm-hmm. simple as that. No matter your name, what pick you was, if you don't take that seriously, you're not getting in. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think the Colts are so good. It's, we preach all three sides of the ball. My one criticism of Frank Wright last season... Um, and maybe it was just because it was heat at the moment. I was kicking myself when we kept going for two in that playoff game. <laughs> I, I was honest. I was kicking my. I, I, when I came back and looked at it, you go, if he doesn't go for two, and we still lose, people are going to call him out for not going for mm-hmm. two. Um, and we we know we know we have the Riverboy Gambler and Frank Wright. That was his crown nickname yeah. from the Philly special days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, and the fun thing with that, you know, in my, in, in, you know, is the interesting is in that playoff game, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, I felt like he knew he he had to put some points on the board going against Josh Allen, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing that I that I saw that I read and that I saw at that time was that I'm not I, I'm not as upset about the two point conversion that they went for as opposed to when they went for it. Or no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not the fourth down call when they went when we went for it on fourth down. I wasn't upset with that call. It was the perfect call, you know. It really was. You hear you hear them talk. the The way that it was set up 
was the defense was supposed to shift. And this is like going analytical, but the defense was supposed to shift and the defense did not. They stayed home. So there was supposed to be a hole there. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a, you know, they had mapped it out, planned it out. This is how it was supposed to work. And it just didn't. The defense did their job. They get paid millions of dollars to do that too. Um, the issue I had was the third down call. I didn't like the third down call that backed them up. Um, that was my issue was you, when you're on, in my opinion, this is the only, this, I'm with you on this critique. When you're on the two yard line and you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, just run it four times. He's going to get in eventually, <laughs> you know, he's going to eventually probably make it in there. I mean, and even the the pass to, to Pittman, it, you know, just a hair short on that. It was a tough game to watch yeah. just because you felt like it was right there. But I mean, I think that's a, that's a common critique for him is that, he is so smart, Reich is, that I think sometimes he – and he's so analytical that he overthinks and outthinks himself sometimes. Well, they think I'm going to run here because 45% of the time I run here, so I'm going to throw. <laughs> like, And they don't think that, because, but it's just in his head. So, I mean, he's so analytical. Um, it's, it's tough, man. It is tough. I don't want to – He's just sometimes, you know, it just doesn't break your way. And the Bills were one of the best teams last year. And, yeah. you know, it's it's going to be a great rematch this year. And the toy tops, they got this – the bounce of the ball just fell for them. Um, yeah. That, that 19 yard um, when Josh Allen fumbled it. And it, there was just, <laughs> it was just there. And then it somehow – it's just one of them crazy things. It um, is. I mean, that – Sort of brings me on to special teams, what I was trying to get onto. Um, mm-hmm. We signed kicker Eddie Pinero. I think that's how you pronounce his name, yeah. from Chicago. Um, it's just, just purely camp competition for Hot Rod. Is it a bit of backup just in case one gets COVID or something like that? I think it's just a camp leg. Mm-hmm. Um, Hot Rod, you know, he is – He's a very legit kicker. Um, the argument that he has a weak leg I don't think is correct. Uh, you look at his time at Georgia. He holds – I believe he holds the record for the longest field goal, I think, in one of the bowl games. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it's Sugar Bowl. Um, I think – you know, Ballard, Ballard is competition, man. It's competition, competition. He's not going to let you feel comfortable. And we've always gone in with two kickers. Um, I would be shocked if Hot Rod's not the kicker. Um I, yeah, I think I think it's depth, it's competition, it's a camp leg. I, I don't think anything beyond that. I think Hot Rod is the kicker. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I love him. You know, I, we joke all the time. Respect the specs, man. He's he's a hell of a kicker. You know, I, like I said, I live in Tennessee. I live in SEC country, so I saw him kick for four years at Georgia, and there was talk that play, Colts fans wanted to draft him. That's how much they liked him when he was coming out. I mean. You know, we talk about him. And he's built this crazy cult following, pun intended. Yes. That, you know, this guy's building Legos the night before the playoffs with mm-hmm. his girlfriend. And they're just, you know, he's got an Instagram page for his little Lego characters. There's just some ridiculously out there. That makes- but does he not fit special teams for the Colts when you think about it, though? I mean, 
we who are we known for with special teams? It's Pat McAfee, man. And Pat McAfee is the most insane. I mean, Pat McAfee roasts his own show and he flies yeah. every Friday now for Friday Night SmackDown and announces yeah. it. <laughs> you know, he wrestles, he does commentary. You know, it's what it's what we're our special teams is just it's the epitome, for lack of a better way of saying hokey-wise. It is special. There are just special people there. Uh, yeah, I love them. I love Pat. Pat's one of my favorite players of all time. Oh, uh, I love Pat. Pat he, you know, he's one bad action movie away from being the next rock. So <laughs> I don't know yeah. if he, he would say that. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, no, but it just... You know, there's a good culture around the Colts at the minute. It just seems like a good place to be. It seems like a good time to get in and buy into being a Colts fan. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about competition, a lot of people think we have a 1-1 one, one punch with Marlon Matt, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. After last year, I think we have a 1, a 1, a 1, and a 1 punch with Marlon Mack, JT, uh, Wilkins, and Hines. I think especially value for money, this is just the best running back room in the league. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it is It is a very, very deep room. Um, and from my understanding, it's a very tight room. Uh, Marlon Mack stayed in Indy to rehab his Achilles and was in the room with, with Jonathan Taylor every week to kind of help mentor him. I It's – I mean, Taylor Taylor was fresh coming into the end of the year. He looked it. He looks just like every bit of a legit running back one, um, top five running back in the league. Naheem is just otherworldly with his talent. Marlon Mack, I- I'm interested to see how he looks this year uh, because with those Achilles injuries with running backs, it's interesting to see how he bounces back. What's funny is when you mentioned Jordan Wilkins, I actually don't know if he makes the team in my opinion, uh, but I could see Marlon Mack filling that role mm-hmm. where he's going to be kind of a supplement. You're going to, you know, I talk about it all the time. I think Taylor demands 20 to 25 carries. Uh, Hines, Naheem, he needs at least five to seven touches in some way. And then Mack will be there for, you know, his five to seven touches too, I think. Uh but man, it is a deep room, and it's it's so different as a Colts fan to see that, to see your team built on defense, O-line, and running, when for 20 years it's Peyton Manning flinging the ball around and everyone calls you finesse. And I tell people all the time, my favorite player of all time is Bob Sanders uh, because at the time the Colts were considered a finesse team, and he came in and he said, I'm going to hit you in the face. Like I'm gonna, I'm, and I'll break my face. I'll break my own body doing it, you know. So, I mean, to 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 go back, you know, sometimes I go down rabbit holes. So I'm sorry, <laughs> but to go back, the the running back room is just. It may not. Jonathan Taylor may not be the best running back in the NFL, but it is. I agree with you. I think it's the best running back room. It's just it's so deep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You up a good player there. Uh, a good player that's very hard. An extremely talented player in Bob Sanders. Um, you know, undersized by many, underfought by many, and very underrated by many. We picked up someone very recently that I think is the prototypical Bob Sanders players in Julian Blackman. Oh, I yeah. think this kid is a 
thought. And like you say, it brings that sort of you're gonna have to hold on to that ball with three arms if you can do, because he is gonna knock it back to mm-hmm. week one. He hits that hard. Do you I mean, what do you see for this defense? Is it gonna be a a typical Matt Eberflees uh inverted Tampa two or is it gonna be a smash mouth team? I mean, I think I think it's still going to be Ibrahimovic's defense. Um, I I think he's he has learned over the last couple of years to incorporate a little bit more less bend, don't break more. He's going to come at you. I think he has the horses now more than ever to really get at you because the key to the Tampa two, like you said, is that you have to get pressure with the front four. You don't want to rush other players. And now you you kind of got that ability, hopefully. You know, we'll see what Quiddy does. You hope – I mean, I, I love Kamoko Ture. We talk about him all the time. I worry he's not going to get back to where he was. But if he can, you've got that. Where Everyone's really interested to see what Ben Banigou does. And then you've got Buckner and Grove right in the middle. I mean, you're going to be able to get after them. And then you've just got – you know. You, the, the key, there's the, they say it all the time with his defense, is there's, it's a triangle of players. It's your nose tackle, which is Buckner, your slot corner, which is Kenny, which is, in my very humble opinion, he is – I don't want to hear that he's the, he's the best slot corner, but he's the best – I think he's top five corner in the league. And then you've got – then you've got um, – you've got to have your linebacker, which is which is Leonard. So they've kind of got their triangle now a little bit. Uh it's going to be really interesting to see. The, the The biggest thing is going to be how does I – th- I think on the defense, the the players to watch to see if the Colts will – if the defense will take the next step to being instead of a top 10, but maybe a top five, top three defense in the league is going to be those edge rushers. It's going to be how does Quiddy look in, in his rookie season? How does Com- does Kamoko finally come all the way back? And does Banigou even break the, break the day – you know, the dang – day roster does he even play uh so i mean that's if because that was the one key that was missing was the ability to get to the quarterback and put him down i mean i think buckner had maybe led the league in quarterback hits but he didn't have a ton of sacks so i, I think that's gonna be really really key i don't i've told people i don't think eber is, is probably here after next year i think there's a really strong possibility he's going to be a head coach somewhere uh, and I think that's that, that's that's probably a lot on the on the coaching staff. There's several coaches that I really really like, uh, and that's an easy thing to forget as a Colts fan too. Is not only did you you got a new quarterback, you got some new players. Like there was a lot of scuttle in the very beginning of the offseason where we lost a lot of coaches, and they filled it really nicely, really quickly, and really quietly too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we can talk a bit about that. Um... Obviously, Marcus Brady stepped up in replace of Nick. Um, I don't know all of them, but I'd say that was the main one of the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, it's about this Chris Ballard culture that he's built of. You pay your own and you get re- you, know, you get it returned in favours when it comes yeah. to game time. You know, you trust your guys to go and win you the game. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I love too. You mentioned it earlier when you're talking about the culture. Is there's a lot of people who don't, you know, Colts fans know who they are, but a, a really key person in that is Brian Decker. 
You know, mm-hmm. Colts fans know who he is. Yeah. Outside of it, you really don't. You know, the the former Green Beret, the guy who does the character test, and they don't they don't draft. You know, they don't draft players that they don't feel meet their character needs. And it's important to know that when they say those things, they're not just talking about off the field. You know, they're they're really big on do they want to work? Can you coach them hard? Mm-hmm. Will they take hard coaching well? So I mean. There's so much behind the scenes stuff when it comes to it that it's just, it's such a cohesive team of players and team of coaches. And it's going to be really interesting, I think, in the next few years, because not only do I think, I think there are coaches on the staff that have a real possibility to be in head coaches, Matt Eberflus. I love Marcus Brady. Um, I think he's going to be amazing. Uh, he's, he could be one. And then you flip it over into the front office. Dodd, I'm shocked he's still here. Uh, Mar- uh, Morocco Brown is another one that was getting interviews this year, <laughs> and he's a he's a scout, and he was getting interviews for GM jobs. There's just there's I'm going to be really surprised if if we don't lose players. And I, I'm trying to remember. I think I was talking to uh, Zach Kiefer, and he even said too, I've never seen a coaching staff get pillaged the way the Colts were and not had won the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. most of the time it's those Super Bowl winning teams that their coaching staff just gets picked over. And man, it was now part of that Sirianni taking a job. He wants players. Yeah. He wants coaches he's comfortable with. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I love the culture. I'm proud to be a Colts fan. Um, it's always nice to be, to support a team where you're not seeing your players in the headlines for the wrong things, but the right things like the, uh, like the, uh, kick the stick hashtag kick the stigma with what they're doing right now. And I don't care what anybody says. I get tired. There's I'm on a soapbox for a second, but I get so tired of hearing people badmouth Jim Mercy. I think he's one of the best people. I think he's one of the best owners. He puts his money where his mouth is for the product on the field, but he also does so much. I mean, people don't know what the kick the stigma. They raised $2 million and Ursa cut another $2 million check to make it four. You know, I mean, he just did that. And then, if you follow Jim Irsay on Twitter during the season, yeah. he does Abby's hat picks. And yeah. they, they did a whole story where they followed these people. He sent people to the Super Bowl. He gave them like $5,000 gift cards to local restaurants. Yeah. He's a great guy. I think he gets a bad rap because he made one mistake several years ago, and people stay on that. And he's quirky. I mean, yeah. the guy spent millions of dollars on like John Lennon's guitar. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's – the culture – of being a Colts fan, I mean, it, you, you can't describe it. It's a tight-knit community, uh, and we support the team, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting you say that because I, I can't remember if it was just after the playoff lost or it was a couple of days after. But I remember tweeting out is it was something like, Buffalo may be a great team. Mm-hmm. But the Colts are a family, and that's generally yeah. what it feels like watching these guys. And it's it's a bit cheesy to say, but it feels like you are with these guys when you know every second you felt every single play in that playoff game. Yeah, when when Darius Leonard just absolutely stopped Josh Allen dead in his tracks, you felt the hit. Mm-hmm. You know when Rodrigo he hit the post, you felt the you feel the ball, and it's just. It's like you say, it's undescribable at the minute because it feels like the stock of the Colts is just skyrocketing up. Yeah. I mean, and and 
and a huge chunk of that is just making, as Ur say, making the right decisions to put the right people in place. I mean, like you said, it, it turned around the moment they hired Ballard. You hire you hire a guy who knows what he's doing, and he has allowed him to go about his plan, and it's working. You know, there are people sometimes who get really frustrated with the fact he doesn't spend money. I'm sorry. He's not going anywhere. Ursay has already said he's going to give him an extension this offseason. You know, he is, in my opinion, he's the best GM in the entire NFL. You can make an argument for um, for Bean up in Buffalo. I think he's really good too. But, I mean, for my money, I, I got friends who are Bears fans, yeah. and they kick themselves every day that the Bears chose Ryan Pace over Chris Ballard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so getting towards the end of the show now, um, which like to ask, I'd like to ask every guest these a uh, couple of questions. It's a bit of yeah. fun. The first one, um, you're in the Oklahoma drill. You've got DeForest Butler on one side. You've got Quentin Nelson on the other side. Who wins that battle? Nelson, because he's dirty sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go low, man. I, oh, man, that's a great one. Um, mm. I'm going to say it's going to be Buckner because I think he's going to sweep his back and knock him down and go over the top of him. But oh, man, that that's like, that's like we were talking is um, week two yeah. Nelson and Aaron Donald. Yeah. I mean, Oh my God, that's going to, I called it Godzilla versus Kong. Like it's going to be really interesting to watch that, but no, yeah, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Buckner. I think he's he, he, the quickness. The quickness yeah. is going to be the thing in that. Yeah. Um, also, um, so you have Peyton Manning and his team, um, mm-hmm. Super Bowl winning team, great team. You have Andrew Luck and the adversity that Andrew Luck faced. If Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning switch posi- uh, positions, uh, switch teams, does the Andrew Luck do better with Peyton Manning's Super Bowl team or does Peyton Manning do better with Andrew Luck's adversity team? That's a great question. I'm going to go Luck doing better Mm -hmm. because Peyton, and I I love Peyton, Peyton was not mobile. And I don't know what quarterback could have played behind the O-line that we had when Andrew Luck was here. I mean, just the laundry list. I mean, broken ribs, lacerated kidneys. I mean, the, the kidney injury was equated to a car wreck. Uh the only thing with Peyton that's different, in my opinion, is he gets the ball out. He would get the ball out. He would throw it. He'd throw it away so he wouldn't get hit. And Luck wanted to extend those plays. But the talent, man, oh, the, on that 2006, you know, the, the talent that was there, you look now, just look at the Hall of Famers that are part of the team. You know, the GM, the head coach, the quarterback, the running back, both wide receivers are going to go in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's like, man. I would have loved to see it. It would have been really, really – I mean, we okay. got to see Luck play a little with Reggie Wayne. Uh, man, I can't imagine him with Marvin Harrison and Dallas Clark. Oh, Whew. yeah, I'd, I'd probably go that one just because I would fear for for Peyton in regards to not having an O-line. Um, and the last sort of fun question is, what made you become a Colts fan? So let's see. So I lived in Indiana when I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I loved Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh and Marshall Falk were my two my two of my youth players that I just adored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was my team. That was my team when I lived in Indiana when I was really little, except five years old. We moved to Tennessee. There were no Titans. Uh, right. And I just kind of stuck with them. Uh, it doesn't hurt that they were really, really good <laughs> for a long time. But also just the players, too. The players that they had um, – you know, from Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis to just – and to, to the fun offense. You know, you're, you're winning 14 games a year and you're putting up 35 points at a time when you didn't really do that. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, it, it's kind of across the board. You know, I, I come from a generation, I'm sure you do too, that we latched on to teams, not players. You know, we, we've had this conversation on No Horsing Around before to where the generation nowadays is you like a player and you follow them wherever they go. Yeah. LeBron James, you know, you're a Cavs fan, then you're a Heat fan, then you're a Lakers fan, and you don't go through any downtime. Uh, I, I come from the spot where I, I live and breathe with my Colts, whether they're good or bad. My wife and my kids don't let me overreact too much anymore. Um, they get a little too upset if I, you know, I think um, – it may have been the Raiders game. I jumped up and I screamed when Jonathan Taylor ran his touchdown in and I scared my two-year-old and woke her up. And so my wife was like, well, cut the TV off if you do it again. <laughs> so, I mean, I it's just – there's a pride thing too. That's my team. It's my colors. Uh, I mean, you're in the UK. You you understand – I'm a huge soccer fan too. So yeah. completely outside of this. You probably understand that more than anybody with. I mean, you bleed those colors and you don't you don't care how bad or how good they are. They're your colors. Well, um soccer team are you so you can follow. So um oh, it's gonna sound funny, man. So locally I'm I'm Nashville SC, which is MLS team here. Um I love them. Uh they're in their second year in the league. So <laughs> I'm gonna so I'm gonna so sound like an American talking about soccer. I played it growing up. My brother, my brother was a big fan. I, I loved Manchester United when I was a kid. Uh, Ryan Giggs is my favorite player of all time. I yeah. loved Ryan Giggs, uh, but I say I, I so sound like an American trying to talk English Premier League when I say the <laughs> Manchester United. I want to be cool and be like, you know, I want to be like, you know, Portsmouth or you know, uh, Norwich City. You know, just throw out something really random. Leeds United. No one. I, I will tell you, I got really into um, a few years ago. I watched Nottingham Forest quite a bit, but that was and, and I put the blame on that was I watched a movie about um, uh, Brian Clout, and I thought he was the coolest thing ever watching that. And I, you know, you linked it together, and they're hard. It, it's probably same as you. It's really hard to watch that stuff over here. Uh, yeah. It's just not there a lot. Premier League is. Yeah. Premier League is on NBC a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough to watch those lower division ones if you're trying to spot them because they just don't put them on TV very often. I, I mean, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with being a United fan when you live over in America because, you know, David Beckham, LA Galaxy, all that jazz. It was just the thing at the time. Like, I only become a Colts fan because they was on the demo of Madden 07 after winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It was them all, the, the Packers. And I, I chose the Colts because I played with the Colts. And it's not because they had Peyton Manning. It's because they had Joseph Adai. Oh, there and, you go, man. Now, that's yeah. a good name right there. And he was just some random cheat code on that game. 
and it was a love story ever since. Um, so mm-hmm. I have no problem with picking a team that. Then everybody, I equate it to if you hear someone back in the day, at least before United just kind of went and kind of fell off recently. It's it's equated to people saying they're Yankees fans back in the day. It's kind of what I've always heard. You know, you hear all over the all over the world. I'm a Yankees fan when they were winning, you know, six pennants in a row. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that that sport and that's you know that's how you get into the team. Uh, mm-hmm. We all get in in random ways sometimes. As long as you stay with them, you know, that's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> as long as you stay with them, um, that's all right. But anyway, you know, we've been talking Colts and football, even soccer, uh, mm-hmm. which will be a surprise to our UK fans, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for almost 50 minutes now. I can't thank you enough for coming on, Stephen. Do you just oh, want no to, problem, again, plug all your stuff, tell people who you are and what you do? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at Stephen Burton 86. That's my personal page. Um, at No Horsing is the podcast. Uh, would love it. You know, at, we're on Apple, we're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube. We put our YouTube videos up. You can go on there, subscribe, follow, leave a comment. Uh, we drop episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays for, for No Horsing. They tend to be about an hour long, perfect for whatever drive you're going to take. Uh, Love it, man. I mean, we love it. You know, we kind of check. We've got a we got a little bit of a foothold in Canada. We got a couple of places over in Europe. You know, Finland and uh, I think the Netherlands a little bit. So, really excited to talk with you today too about it. Uh, it's just it's always fun to to see kind of the reach of of a fandom and yeah. see it. But yeah, I mean, hit me up on there. We're really open. Um, try to respond as much as possible. Every every episode we do uh, a thing called social media sessions. So DM me questions, at me questions. We'll answer them on the show, give you a shout out, give your Twitter handle, try to kind of push some followers your way too. I mean, I'm just going to write down and nick that segment off you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, been doing it since day one. I joke all the time. Day one, man, it's uh, social media. Uh Getting questions is one of the hardest things to do in the podcast game, man. Getting people to interact and you just have to stay at it. I mean, right now I think we have a queue of over 35 questions. There you go. Anyway, you know I've been Harrison UK Colts fans. This has been Stephen from Noy Horsing Around. Uh, go and check them out on Twitter. It's been another great episode of the UK Colts fans special guest podcast. See you all later. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man.